أعوذ بالله من الشيطان الرجيم بسم الله الرحمن الرحيم الحمد لله رب العالمين والصلاة والسلام على سيدنا ونبينا أبي القاسم المصطفى محمد وعلى آله الطيبين الطاهرين السلام عليكم dear brothers and sisters I hope you're all doing well inshallah and welcome to another episode of the Tafsir of Dua Kamil podcast um, in the last episode we were talking uh, about the about how Ali ibn Abi Talib essentially he was comparing the difficulties that we go through in this world he was comparing them to the difficulties and the punishments that one would have to face uh, if they were to disobey Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala in the next world and essentially his message to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala was if I'm not able to take these difficulties in this world if I'm not able to be uh, you know endure the uh, trials and tribulations and the challenges of this world then how would you in other words Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala then how would you in other words Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala expect me to be able to endure the punishment of the hereafter so he this, these are the lines that he was saying the difficulties of this world they're short they don't exist for too long right they come and they go and still it's difficult for me to be able to go through this so how is it going to be possible for me to withstand the punishment and the difficulty of the hereafter and you know the great ordeals that are going to occur in the next world we mentioned this hadith uh, from the first Imam and it's really a hadith that puts things into perspective where the Imam says everything in this world um, the when you hear about it it sounds as if it is greater than what it really is in the sense that once you actually experience that situation yourself then you realize that it doesn't necessarily live up to the way people were talking about it and we talked about this and explained this a little bit in the last episode so i won't go into depth here again but essentially the imam is saying that that's how this world works because it's a world of of matter and everything is material and everything comes with the limitations that it comes with essentially whenever we talk about the great things of this world right the wonders of this world um when you get to actually experience them although initially there might be a moment where you feel like this is, you know, this is beyond what you could have imagined. After you experience them for a little while, then it automatically gets normal for you, right? And that's that's really the caveat of, of this world and, and living in this world. Because as much as we look forward to different things in this world, the moment you get to experience them, the moment you get to actually live that life, so to speak, then you realize it wasn't as special as I thought it was. And it wasn't as special as people were trying to make it look, even if they were doing that unintentionally, right? Even if they weren't doing that on purpose, but just the way people speak of different things that happen in this world, they will always speak of it in a manner where it is greater than you know actually living it. Then when you actually live it, then you realize that at least after a while, you realize that it wasn't that much of a big deal. And that's why we always go to people who have experienced different events. And usually when you'll ask the person who has experienced that event themselves, you find that 90% of the time they will speak about it with a lot less enthusiasm than the people who haven't experienced it, right? And that naturally means that that incident and that event, as great as it might be, 
once you experience it, essentially your enthusiasm and that that you know that hype that it had really goes down, right? That's why you'll sit there and speak to someone who lives a certain type of lifestyle, and you'll sit there with enthusiasm, and you'll ask them like, "What is this lifestyle like? Can you give me like a peek into what this life looks like?" Right? And then when they answer that question, you will find that they are speaking from a perspective of there is not too much going on here. It's pretty cool, for example, but it's not it's not as hyped up or not as exciting as you would assume, right? And you see that with celebrities, you see that with athletes, you see that with all the different people that we look at their lifestyles and would assume that their life and their lifestyle would have these, you know, flashes of, of, of enthusiasm and excitement. And again, temporarily, that might be true, but in the long run, essentially what we find is that that's, that doesn't hold true. And then the hadith continued, وَكُلُّ شَيْءٍ مِنَ الْآخِرَةِ عَيَانُهُ أَعْذَمُ مِنْ The imam then said, listen, that's when it comes to this world. When it comes to the next world, in fact, what you find is that everything that the Qur'an tells us about the next world, everything that hadith tells us about the next world, technically, when you actually get to experience it, it is much greater than what you thought it was. So the imam is flipping this scenario. He's flipping this equation, right? That when you come to the next world, it's the exact opposite. When it comes to the next world, they will tell you things about the next world. But when you actually get a chance to experience it, then you'll see it is far beyond even what they told you. And then he continues, So let it be enough for you guys to just hear what's going to happen as opposed to being able to experience it, because obviously we can experience it. He's saying, listen, whatever you hear, essentially, take that, multiply that in your mind by 10 or 15, <laughs> and that is going to be like what you will actually experience in the next world. Okay, now in this comparison, as he was continuing, he said that the difficulties of this world, you know, they're there for a short amount of time. But when it comes to the difficulties of the next world, he mentions three phrases to explain them right he says it's something that will you know it will take a long time for you to go through it and it doesn't go away it stays there the punishments of the next world and the people who are you know essentially grappling with these punishments it's not the case that the difficulty starts to go down or wear off after a while. There's no situation where they are given a, a certain amount of time to rest from this punishment. Okay, so these are, of course, scary lines that we find in Dora Kumail. So, of course, we all, I always have to mention this, this, you know, this disclaimer or this point here anytime we talk about the hellfire, although we've mentioned it earlier in the podcast as well, that if someone wants to make it into hellfire, especially if someone wants to end up in hellfire eternally, it's not an easy thing to do, right? You actually have to be super intentional in order to get into into hellfire, uh, you know, eternally, right? It's not an easy thing to do. And from what we understand, it seems as though not many people will actually have that type of a fate. There might be people who will experience hellfire. They will have cer certain sins of theirs essentially uh, melted away from them from the or through the fire of the hellfire that might be possible but the number of people actually end up in hellfire eternally 
we would assume that they would be a small number. Now, we can't say that for sure necessarily because when you look at Quran and Hadith, it's very interesting how Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has maneuvered this whole topic of who exactly ends up where. It's interesting because it's quite difficult to tell. And really Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has held the keys of that discussion in his own hands as to who is going to end up in heaven, who is going to end up in hellfire. Of course, we do have some indications, um, certain situations you can tell for sure. If someone denied the message of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala knowingly, like he knew for sure and he denied the message, then yes, we know for sure because the Quran is 100% clear about that, that this person will end up in hellfire, for example. But Outside of that situation, who's going to end up in heaven, who's going to end up in hellfire, it's very difficult to tell. And a lot of times you won't be able to make that judgment. And as Muslims, we are taught that we are not supposed to worry about making that judgment when it comes to uh, outside of that group that I mentioned. Because that group the Quran you know, clearly talks about. But having said that, the disclaimer is this, that it's actually difficult to get into hellfire. It's actually difficult to be one of these people who ends up in hellfire and the punishment is never removed from him or the punishment is never lessened from him, right? There is no takhfif. Takhfif means when you take something and you lower it, right? Or you lessen the, you know, the, the a punishment or anything that you're dealing with. So it's actually difficult to fall into this group. But the Quran does mention this because at the end of the day, each and every one of us has that potential at the end of the day to fall into, uh, in, into this category. Although most of us won't at the end of the day. But because we have that potential, the threat is always there. And therefore, the Quran and Hadith will talk about it as a deterrent so that, God forbid, we don't actually end up you know, in that situation. So he said, First of all, it's going to be there for a long time, and it doesn't go away. And it's also not lessened from those who are uh, essentially going through this punishment and this difficulty. It's interesting because the verses of the Quran give us a little glimpse of how long this punishment is actually going to take. Uh, when you look at the verses of the Quran, they say that the day of judgment, and based on what verses you look at, you will actually get different numbers. So we're going to talk about that a little bit. Um, but in some verses of the Quran, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says that the day of judgment is going to be 50,000 years. Right? It's going to be 50,000 years. And then again, in other verses of the Quran, what you find is that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says that it's going to be a thousand years. And what our scholars have explained is that first of all, the reason why the day of judgment will take so long for somebody is because that is part of their punishment. So essentially understand and, and, and imagine and picture that this person has not made it into hellfire yet, right? His punishment technically has not started yet, but in reality it has because the moment you show up on the day of judgment, Everyone knows if you're a good person or you're a bad person. You might even know if you're a good person or a bad person automatically. And so going through the stations of them doing your accounting, right, and counting your good deeds and bad deeds, the punishment or the reward starts immediately from them, from there, from there essentially, right? So if I'm a good person and I show up on the Day of Judgment, the ease and the convenience of the Day of Judgment is going to be part of my reward, right? Like everyone else might be struggling, but because I was a good person, I will essentially, like you know how we say when you're going through an airport, right? You just fly through security, right? Or breeze through security. That's exactly what's going to happen for good people on the Day of Judgment. And that's part of their reward.
we would assume that you would have to get into heaven so that your reward would start, right? But that's not how it is. The reward of a mu'min starts from essentially even the moment before he dies, the moment he's leaving this world, right? Technically, the moment that he hasn't even left, the, his reward actually starts from there. That's why we have hadith, for example, that a person, a mu'min who's leaving this world, he will see the Prophet and he will see Amirul Mu'mineen, salawatullahi wa salamuhu alayhima. Right? So our reward actually starts from that moment. Now, along these lines, the punishment also starts from earlier on. And therefore, when someone shows up to the Day of Judgment, their punishment starts immediately. Part of that punishment is that their accounting will take so long. And during this time, that is part of their punishment. This might be why the verses of the Qur'an say that, first of all, they have different numbers for how long the Day of Judgment is going to take. Right? Because de depending on how how good or bad you were, it might take super, super long or it might take a much shorter time. That's number one. That might be, uh, you know, the reason. And second of all, this is already part of your punishment as you are going through it. So when the Imam says, Bala'un tatul muttatu, the Quran gives us a glimpse that the punishment, forget about hellfire itself, but even before you get into hellfire, the punishment of just waiting to get into hellfire, that might take for somebody 50,000 years, right? So that's not an that's not an easy thing to do, uh, not an easy thing to deal with. And of course, we know this isn't because God is taking his time to do the accounting of this person because he can't do it any faster. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says he is sariyun hisab. He can do the accounting of an individual very quickly. But on purpose, this person is being held back and delayed, right? As a form of punishment for them. Okay, so that's on that side. Then when you look at the other phrase that the imam used to explain this uh, punishment of the uh, hellfire, he said, وَلَا يُخَفَّفُ عَنْ أَهْلِهِ He said that another aspect of this punishment is that there is no moment where you are given rest from it. You are given respite from it. You are given a moment to actually take a breather, so to speak, right? That doesn't happen. And this is what we find in the verses of the Qur'an. Right? The verses of the Qur'an tell us in Surah Al-Ghafir, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, وَقَالَ الَّذِينَ فِي النَّارِ The people of the hellfire, they turn to those who are guarding the hellfire, who are essentially these angels that are around them. وَقَالَ الَّذِينَ فِي النَّارِ لِخَزَنَةِ جَهَنَّمِ They turn to the guards or the guardians of the hellfire. اُدْعُوا رَبَّكُمْ يُخَفِّفْ عَنَّا يَوْمًا مِنَ الْعَذَابِ why don't you guys go and ask Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and ask your Lord if he could lessen our punishment for one day, right? And of course, a day over there is not going to be a day like it is over here. But if for a small period of time, essentially, if he can take away this punishment and give us a breather, right? Give us a little bit of rest. And the malaika, the angels who are the guardians of hellfire, they come back with this question. It's a very simple question. They say, okay, so you guys are asking for this punishment to be less for a little bit of time. Well, let's see if you're worthy of that mercy. I mean, if you're worthy of, of that mercy, then absolutely. But let's see if you're worthy of that mercy. Let's see if you qualify for that mercy. Okay, so they ask him a question to see if they qualify for this mercy from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. قَالُوا أَوَلَمْ تَأْتِيكُمْ رُسُلُكُمْ بِالْبَيِّنَاتِ They say, I have a simple question. They say, well, let's see here. Did you guys not have a group of messengers come to you with clear signs telling you that all of this was going to happen? 
And depending on the answer to that question, either these guys are going to qualify for this mercy or they're not. And of course, their response comes back, قَالُوا bala. They say, no, we that did happen to us, right? قَالُوا bala, like, yes, that's exactly what happened to us. A group of people came to us, they told us all of this is going to happen. So when they respond in this manner, then what do the angels say? قَالُوا fadru. The angels then say, you know what? Then you can call as much as you want to call. وَمَا دُعَاءُ الْكَافِرِينَ إِلَّا فِي Like, you can call God as much as you want to call God at this point, but in this world, it's no longer about calling God. It's about your actions. With your actions, you rejected the mercy of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala while you were alive. For years and years, you rejected His mercy, right? That's essentially what happens when someone uh, turns away from the message of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. With their actions, they are saying, I don't want the mercy of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. I'm rejecting it. I don't need it. Now, they, the, these angels tell these guys here in Hellfire, they say, okay, if that's the case, then you can call as much as you want to call. There's not going to be any response to your call because dua'ul kafirin, the call of those who knowingly turned away from the message of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, fi dhalal, it's lost. It's not going to go anywhere, right? Imagine if someone comes to like a company, Right? And they approach the person who's sitting at the, at the, you know, at the very front, the front desk or the receptionist, right? And they say, well, I need to speak to the CEO. Like, I need to get this message to the CEO. And the receptionist will ask them, like, does the CEO know you or have you communicated with them before or are they expecting you? And this person will say, no, they don't know me. I've never told them that I was going to show up today, but I need to meet them right now. What will the receptionist say at that point? Right? He or she is gonna turn around and say, Listen, you can stand here all day, but like and you can you can make a fuss about it and you can start yelling in the in the lobby, but you know, Mr. CEO who's sitting at level, you know, twenty-three or floor twenty-three, he's not gonna hear what you have to say because your call and your request, it holds no merit, it holds no value. This is what the Quran is saying. You guys can call as much as you want to call. But because in the next world, whether when you call for the mercy of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, you have to have done something, something to qualify for it in this world. And if you did not do anything to qualify for it, and in fact you rejected it with your actions, right? You pushed back the mercy of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, then what do you expect is going to happen? Now you can ask for His mercy as much as you want, but that asking and that call, is it really genuine? It's not genuine. Because if it was genuine, when you had the opportunity to ask for His mercy, right? And you had the opportunity to call Him so that He would forgive you, you didn't do it. For some of these guys, they must have not done it for 40, 50, 70, 80, 90 years. They didn't do it. Now when the punishment is there, all of a sudden, they're remembering Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And the angels are saying, listen, that's not how it works essentially. So the going back to the phrase of the dua, the Imam says, Number one, it's a bala and a difficulty that will be there for a long time. doesn't go away. And it's not lessened from the people who are going through this. Now, in the next episode, We'll talk a little bit about this as to why is it that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala does not lessen or lower the punishment of these individuals? Where is this punishment coming from? Or 
if we wanted to put it in a in a better form or fashion, I would say this. Essentially, who are these people? How did they end up here? That even though they supposedly ask for the mercy of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala in the hellfire, still God does not grant them that mercy. So in the next lines of the dua, the imam will answer that question for us. That these are not, you know, your typical people. And that's what I was talking about before. When I said getting into the hellfire, essentially, in, especially in this category of people, it's not something that you just end up, you know, in hellfire. It's not like you just end up there and you don't realize, oh, this is where I ended up. No, no, you have to actually, as odd as it sounds, you have to actually be intentional about it to fall within this category of individuals. Because then there will be a, another category of individuals who might even experience hellfire based on what we understand from hadith, but they will not experience it in this form or fashion. That no matter who and how much they call out Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala or call his, you know, call for his mercy, that the angels will tell them, listen, your call is not going to go anywhere and it doesn't hold any value. So inshallah, in the next episode, we will delve into the reason for Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala rejecting their mercy, inshallah.